opening day of baseball season in case you didn't know and I want to be very very honest and very open um, we have baseball fans of Cardinals Braves Cubs and and that's and and we just enjoy a big-time rivalry here at connection with with our favorite baseball teams but what Matt Holiday says in this video is very important. By the way, if you want to YouTube it and you want to take a note down on where to find it, you can get on YouTube and, and go to Matt Holiday hyphen my story. It's about four minutes and ten seconds long. Uh, this was on Facebook not too long ago and it's been out there for a little while. But one of the things that he says in here is vital to what we're going to talk about today. And he said, he says this, at that point when I know that I'm not searching after God, like I should be, it's in those moments where I don't have peace. But it's in the times that I actually try, I do strive to find Him, and the results are often negative and not positive, but He still has the peace. This is highly important today. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some scripture in a second that um, studying it kind of scared me. I think, well, you know, you're a pastor, you're supposed to study the Bible. Well... This, this passage of Scripture has been taken out of context quite a bit. And I want to I just give my spin on it this morning um, as we've talked about the, uh, the Palm Sunday, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection scene. And then now we're here today. We're going to finish up this, this series of, of what happened after. Um, but if you take notes, if you take notes and you're looking for some, some dates to write down, April 17th in two weeks, if you're not a member of Connection and you want to be, we're going to have what's called First Step. It's going to be at Ben and Annie Staley's home. Um, if you want to go, that's fine. That's great. You and your family, okay? You come and talk to me. That way I can make sure that I have enough books ready, okay? And I can, I can make enough so we can have them. Um, and that's going to be from 1 to 3 after church on the 17th, so in two weeks. Uh, also, if you're looking to be baptized, if you're interested in being baptized, May the 1st, if you're a connection person, when we have a dunk party, after we have the service, what do we get to do? Eat. There's four people awake. It's 11.30. We get to eat, people. You're Baptist. You eat. Okay? Okay, we're going to eat. We're going to have hot wings and chicken wings and bring your own whatever. Um, but it's going to be a day to celebrate. I do need to send you an email. I want some information from you. I want to get some information so I can have, so I can have something to say about you. Um, so, for that day. So, if you're interested, please get with me on that. Uh, it's nothing more than an email on my part. So, so, let me know. If you... You know, today is considered to be opening day. If, if, if Major League teams open up, okay, it's opening day of baseball. Okay, that's great. But did you know that last week was Super Bowl Sunday? You're all looking at me like, we haven't played the Super Bowl in a month and a half. Matt, you don't even know what you're talking about. It was the first week of February. Listen, for churches, last week was the Super Bowl. And we have two a year. We have Christmas and Easter. Last week was just Easter. It's a Super Bowl. Now, why do you say Super Bowl? I thought it's opening day of baseball season. It is. I'm not, on a, I'm not trying to confuse you with sports. But what I'm saying is I want to say thank you. If you were here the Thursday or Saturday before Easter Sunday and you helped clean, 
or you help stripe the parking lot, or you help pick up trash in the ditch, or you, hallelujah, praise, praise you, you scrub the toilets, uh, you, you wash the windows down, whatever you did, I want to say thank you. If you were a person that made coffee or popcorn, or maybe you brought somebody. There was a lady last week, I put a, a post on Facebook, kind of a challenge, and I said, hey, you know, tomorrow's Easter, bring a friend or five. And she took me very literal. She came, she came to church and she sat right over there. She goes, Matt, I didn't bring five. And I go, oh, well, it's okay. You tried. She goes, no, I brought six. I'm like, wow. I want to say thank you because this. Yes, it's a good time to have visitors in town. Yes, we will see people that regularly attend other churches. They're here with family, celebrating that day together as believers. That's fantastic. We realize that they're not going to stay here. But when you added both services last week, it was the highest attending Sunday we've had in the history of eight and a half years of connection. And you were a part of it, if you're here. And if not, maybe you, you, you helped pray for us. And believe me, we needed that as well. We're going to be checking out a passage of Scripture this morning. You know, before, before we get into this, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. If, you, if you're a Bible scholar more than me, you're, you're going to, Acts 2 is going to click with you. I'm like, well, that's the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's when the fire fell on the, whatever that means. Man, Matt's going to try to interpret that. Nope, 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 nope. We're just going to talk about it. Okay? Before I say that, before we get into that Scripture... Oftentimes, it is the huge events like Easter and Christmas that cause us to invite and to act and to get those people into our life, invite them to church. Don't quit. Don't quit. Invite them all year. Whatever you do, wherever you go. He said, he, if you watch that Matt Holiday video, and I'm not saying that the Cardinals or Matt Holiday are the, are the, are, are the best. I'm just saying that he has been quoted to say that what he does off the field is far more important to him than what he does on the field. That's a big deal to me. Because he's a phenomenal man of God. But he did say this. He said, baseball's my church. Now some of you are going to leave this church this morning. Do not misinterpret what he said. Well, Matt Holiday thinks his church is his God. He did not say that baseball was his God. He said baseball was his church. Your platform is where you work. That's your church. It's not just here. It's where you go. It's what, it's what you do. It's who you're in contact with. It's your platform to spread the gospel. Mike Matheny, used to, if, you, if you watch Matt Holiday in that video, he literally goes through three stages. He gets mentored by his coach. Okay? Matt, Matt, Mike Matheny puts in two, teaches, teaches Matt Holiday about God. Then he goes about to the middle of his career, and, who do, and he knows that Lance Berkman's going to get traded, and what's he do? He said, Lance, I want you to come with me. And what he says in the video, he says, I want you to throw up on me. I mean, he, he, just, he just wanted, not, not literally, okay? He wanted all the biblical knowledge that Lance Berkman had. And he began, he began to, not only to be, to be an information uh, receptacle, he was also an information giver. And he, would, he, he was in that phase of life, and he was giving Information, helping mentor. If you look on, it says Adam Wainwright and Matt Holiday today put into mentor younger players in the Cardinals. And then it completely takes the men out of that equation. And in one of those slides, it says, and Jesus continues to put into Matt Holiday. Now, this is a huge deal because the celebration, the huge Super Bowl of Easter, was the same way in Scripture. The resurrection had happened. When we pick up in Acts chapter 2, I'll give you some background information. I really hope that you, that you find this interesting. Sometimes it's really hard uh, for us. We, we feel like we're so far removed 
out of the biblical times that we feel like we just can't get into it. We, we don't really know what they feel like. Well, hopefully today we can take a really cool look at this, at this version of Scripture, this verse of Scripture, and we can find out what's going on. In our sermon series last week, we were at the resurrection, Easter. If you go back one week before that, which was on the calendar Palm Sunday, we talked about the cross. And if you go back a week from that, we talked about Palm Sunday. We did it a week early. Remember I told you that wasn't illegal? We could do it early. Remember that? So we did Palm Sunday, then we did the cross, the crucifixion, then we did the resurrection last week. Today, this is what we do. So now what? What happens? We're going to be in the book of Acts. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. Okay? Four interpretations of Jesus' life and we get to Acts. It's literally the Acts of the first church. It's what happened. I'll talk to you a little bit more about specific things in a second. But many, many people, not, a, not only the people that we work with, many people back then also asked questions about this resurrection. They'd never seen this happen before. I mean, think about that. Had they ever seen anybody raised from the dead before that said they were going to be raised from the dead? No. They've seen people raised from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus, probably. But did they see somebody that, like, basically called it? Like, if you're playing pig, you have to call a bank shot. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but I'm going to raise again. Yeah, about that. He's probably the first one. He is the first one in history. Okay? But they're asking these questions. What happened after the resurrection? Is it important? Is what the first church in Acts did important to us? I'm telling you what, if you really want to get into a really cool study, read the book of Acts, find out what the church did, and then look at what we're doing. Look at what we're doing. We, we meet in homes, right? We mentor each other. We're going to talk about that at the end. We mentor each other. We, we, we put into each other. We fellowship together. Can we really answer yes or no to this question? Was Jesus really resurrected from the dead? Now, what I found is in seven years of searching, okay, seven years of not doing what God asked me to do, turns out that it's a blessing. God can, do all, can work through all things, no matter if they're good or bad, for the good of those who love Him, right? So, so I, 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 was, I was studying this stuff on how to make the Bible not make sense. Now, some of you would be like, well, that'd be really embarrassing to tell you. Listen, I tell you that because I can tell you from my studies what that means. I was looking for a loophole, right? I was looking for a loophole because if I don't have to believe in Jesus, if there's something wrong with this, then I don't have to follow Him, right? Lee Strobel says in the case for Christ that the number one reason why people don't want to follow Christ is because it requires almost, a, a Christians sometimes almost think this is a cuss word. You know what it is? Change. Some of you, some of you, some of you, are like, hmm, he just used bad language. <laughs> Listen, change is not bad. Okay, change is not bad. But if you look in Acts chapter two, we are looking literally at one of the most amazing, probably on my top ten list to go back and see. You know, like if we could take a little spaceship or time machine and go back and we could see the different events in the Bible, this would probably be on my top ten list. You know, Elijah at Mount Carmel calling down fire from heaven. That'd be cool. Jonah, maybe. David and Goliath, maybe the Moses in the Red Sea. Maybe, you know, Daniel and Lion's Den. All these cool stories. 
But in Acts chapter 2, I'll give you a little bit of background. You can flip with Acts chapter 2. You can put that on the screen right now. And we're going to talk about on the day of Pentecost. Now, this is a huge deal. If you write notes or you underline things, you've got a lot to underline today. But we're in Acts chapter 2. What comes before 2? 1. Okay, I don't even teach math. Okay, that's good. So, Acts chapter 1, what happens? Why'd you skip it? Jesus says a few words. And He ascends to heaven. That's it. Okay? He's just getting his rolling, but basically Jesus ascends to heaven, okay? How did he ascend to heaven? In Scripture, it says that there were clouds, and he ascended, and he was gone. The one thing that I'm not going to do is I'm not going to make this a blockbuster Hollywood sermon. You don't need to do that. Your mind, as we go, your mind is already going to put pictures in your head. That's good. But I'm telling you that we can't, in very, very good likelihood, put this into a screen production of what it actually looked like. It's for our interpretation. We see the same words in Acts chapter 2 as John uses in Revelation. Like this. Like this. You know why he said that? Because he really couldn't describe it. So watch this. On the day of Pentecost. Now, if, you're, if, you're have, if you have a study Bible, this is going to be very important. Why Pentecost? What's the big deal? Pentecost was exactly 50 days after the Passover. So Jesus Christ died on the cross 51 days prior to this message. This is huge important. Please watch this. On the day of Pentecost, there were 50 days after Passover. Okay, All the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, there's 50 days. They've seen Jesus resurrect. This is all taking place, okay? Jesus is, is put into the, the grave the day before Passover. They have the Passover festival for three days. Then they go and Mary Magdalene finds the empty tomb. We celebrate Easter. Jesus comes and walks through walls. Remember all this? He walks through walls to talk to the disciples. And then He appears. Jesus appears to over 500 people in the next 40 days. Why? <laughs> Check this out. He would show them the scars. He would talk with them. He'd say, hey, listen, I'm really here. So for 40 days, this has been going on. In Acts chapter 1, He ascends to heaven, okay? So, Pentecost is 40 days after. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Jesus ascends to heaven 40 days after His resurrection. And the Holy Spirit comes 10 days after He goes back to heaven. So, we're 10 days removed from Acts 1. When Jesus ascends. And I'm thinking, man, why in the world does 40, 50, or 10 days even matter to me in 2016? Do you ever put your kid's birthday on a calendar? Do you circle that day? Pentecost and Passover were gigantic days. If you go to the Jewish customs today in the Middle East, or if they're practicing Jewish person here... Those two are still a big deal. They don't, they're, they're on your calendar. Okay? They're a big deal. Now why would this story choose to be taking place at Pentecost? Okay, first of all, we have to get this together. On the day of Pentecost, okay, all the believers were meeting together in one place. What were they doing? Probably having church. Okay? Now this is ten days. Jesus had told them prior to Him ascending to heaven that He was going to do what? He was going to send them a helper. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you. 
He said, I'm going to send to the Father, but then I'm going to send you a helper. Now, can you imagine this? These people have now had to wait two times on Jesus to do something. The first time he says, I'm going to be back after three days. Was he? Yep. Now, think about this one. They think, well, he, he followed through on this one. You know, nobody's ever really been raised from the dead. So he does this. So then he says, I'm going to send you a helper. So now they wait the three days and think, okay, it's going to be three days. And they're just, can you, can you imagine this outside? He's not sending anything. And then a week goes by. A whole entire week. Nothing. <laughs> Do you think some doubt is creeping back into people's mind? Man, did he really? Did he? Re, did we really understand what he was going to do? I thought we were going to get a helper. I thought we were going to maybe. Maybe they thought it was in the form of a person. Maybe they thought it was in the form of something else. But look at this, number two. Oh, the verse two. Unbelievable! I'm telling you, to see this would have been unbelievable. Look at two. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Do these people know what windstorms are? Yes, they live in a very arid environment, lots of wind, sandstorm. You've seen the mummy, right? You see, people have not seen. It's okay. It's now. You know, I I gave them the benefit of the doubt earlier today at nine forty three, but it's eleven forty three now. Okay, we we awake. You've seen the mummy? Yeah, yeah. Those great big beetles scare me to death. Those are scary. Whatever they're called. Okay, now so. So, so we, these sandstorms, they were a big deal. But, watch. God, is he, God right here in verse 2 is showing His power over nature. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty windstorm. So they heard it, but they didn't see anything. This is... This is <laughs> and it filled the house they were, where they were sitting. <laughs> you think about this. You think about your connect group that you go to. Maybe if you go to Monday night and you come to our house or you go to somewhere else out on Sunday, maybe you're going to go to this afternoon or tonight, and you go to somebody's house and you're sitting there and this were to happen. Facebook would not even be, it would just be overloaded with people posting about this, okay? The mighty wind, and it filled the house they were sitting. Look at verse 3. Get out, your, get out your pins to circle the similes that he uses here, okay? Look at this. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And I'm not going to give it to you because you're thinking, Matt, please explain this so I'll understand it. No, no way. What is really cool is this. This is what we need to do. We need to, we need to compare it to something that we do know compared to something that we don't know. Now watch this. What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and it settled on each of them. Now, what we need to concentrate on is not like flames or tongues of fire. Fire is up. In the Bible, fire is used to purify things, okay? When you, when you fire something, you get all the impurities out of it and when it, they fire gold. Okay, they melt gold. They use fire to melt gold to take out the impurities. If you watch Gold Rush like me, you see the cool bars that they make. Okay, and they get all the impurities out so it's solid gold. It's refining. It makes it pure. And then there's a special part of this, this verse that if you just read it, you're going to go right over it. It said this, and it settled on each of them. Now what? Okay. Remember, this is the Holy Spirit that's coming. Where do we see this? these settled on each other? Do you remember at Jesus' baptism when it said the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and it settled on Christ, right? Isn't that cool? 
But if we just read stuff so fast, it's just gone. Look at verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, I will tell you that verse 4, in my opinion, can be contextualized to death and you can take it 88,000 different ways. Here's my interpretation to try to make it make sense. I take the Bible very literally, okay? Very literally. In verse 4, okay, he's talking about this. But let me show you that this, this may not have scared them as bad if they were knowledgeable in Scripture. If, you, if you're taking notes, just jot this verse down. We don't put it on the screen. Look at Luke 3.16 um, later, and it says this. It says, John answered these questions. Okay, this is, this is John the Baptist, okay? Answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Who is he talking about? Jesus Christ, okay, the Messiah. But uh, he says, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. He called it. So when, the, when Luke, the writer of Acts, said they, they settled on them and they looked like flames or tongues, and we remember Jesus having, having the Spirit descend on him, that this is okay. okay. This matches. Don't miss this. Please, don't. please, please, please. When we look at any type of Scripture, like this, Revelation, don't assume things. When you assume things, more than likely, it's taking it out of that context. So I want to take a really literal look at this in verse, in verse 4, when it says they began speaking other languages, this is what I think. I think the people literally spoke different languages. I don't think it was confusing other than they didn't understand how it was happening. There's, there's a point to this. Even when we go further in this scripture, watch this. They give credit to God for doing this, not because they can do it. And that's a huge thing in Scripture. Speaking like this, if you, if you talk with somebody about speaking in tongues, it's, it's about edifying God, not edifying yourself. And sometimes that's taken out of context the wrong way. Okay, look at verse 5. So, so this comes... In the, now, these people literally... Now, I don't know if they spoke French, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, um, Swahili. I don't, I don't know. But I'm telling you, it was different... It was different. Now, why do they do differently? Why do they speak different languages? If you're jotting down notes, please read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus says this. Therefore, go to all the nations making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, why would he go to different nations? Why would they be speaking different languages if Jesus said go to different nations? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe he planned this all along. See, he knew how they could communicate. Matt, Matt Holiday uses baseball to communicate. I used to use that to communicate. What do I, I use? I use hunting to relate with people that, that hunt, that don't know Jesus. I use, I use things. My, my wife used different things than, than I do, and you use different things than we do. What is your platform? See, this still happens today, but it's not necessarily different languages. Because if you, my grandmother speaks the language of quilting, I don't speak that language other than I like to lay underneath them. Okay, that's it. But she has the ability to speak to people that I really can't have that 
relationship with. I mean, I have a relationship with, but I can't have that common ground like she can. So this time, in verse 5, at that time there were some devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Okay, so time out. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18-20, that He's going to send the disciples out into the whole world, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All the nations, so they're going to need the tools to speak differently, right? Different, differently. And then they said this. In verse 5, there's Jews from every nation living in Israel. Do you know what this literally was? There was no communication barrier whatsoever anymore like that. Now, you can, you can take this way out, of, way out of context and talk about other things happening and, and big, big, big time things, but I'm telling you, there was just no communication barrier anymore. This would have been incredible. Can you imagine this? I mean, think about that. Just think about what this would have, what this would have been like. So in verse 6, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Now where are they coming running to? Where the believers are meeting, where they're having church. Maybe that's how we started ringing bells in churches. I don't know. Okay, but they started, they started coming. Everyone, everyone. And they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by believers. Now you think about this. What if you were the only person in your entire neighborhood, whether you live in Mount Vernon or Sims or uh, the big town of Sims, the, the metropolis of Keynes and Wayne State, wherever you live, can you imagine, I mean, we mostly speak English, correct? What if you were the only person in your neighborhood that spoke German, and only German? That's it. Then all of a sudden, one of your neighbors, you, you, went to, you heard a big boom, so you ran over to their house, and you thought, maybe, man, maybe a tree fell in their house, and you go in, and all of a sudden, they're speaking German to you. But they just... Think about how crazy this would have been. So that's why we see some speculation here in a little bit. They were bewildered, but look at verse 7. They were completely amazed. Can you imagine you walk into your neighbor's? What can you do? Wow, you don't know you spoke German. Yeah, bratwurst. Liverwurst. Listen, listen. They were, they were amazed. How can this be, they explained. These people are all from where? Galilee. Are these people... See, I've been to Japan... But I can't speak fluent Japanese. I know about three things. That's it. That's it. Spent seven days learning how to say three things. That's about it. Okay? But I would have not a, not a real reason to speak Japanese. But if I did, wouldn't I be able to talk with people that had a language barrier with English to Japanese? You see where this is going? He, he's setting them up. Okay? He's setting them up to succeed. And, and verse 8 says, And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, um, uh, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the other areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Now, seriously. Anybody, anybody that reads this is going gonna, is gonna to have a... It's not, it's not the same thing, but it's a list of people instead. But if you read the first, uh, the first many verses of Matthew... You know, beget, 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 beget. Had this son, 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 had this son. Okay, you're thinking in your head, why on earth? Why do we have to? You're reading at home. I want. I don't know very many people. They get on Google Translate and say, "Hey, how 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 do you pronounce this? Or why does this put in there?" So the question raises from this: Why is it even in there? 
It's a huge deal why it's in there. You know why these people really existed? From these places. It's, it's concrete evidence that this Bible is true. Okay? They're speaking their language. Look at verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism. Now, when he says both Jews and converts. Now, watch. Both believers and non-believers. Okay? Everybody was attracted. Everybody was attracted to the sound, what God was doing. Cretans and Arabs. In verse 11 he goes on, And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They, uh, they stood there amazed and perplexed, but what can this mean? They ask each other. This is what happened. At this very moment, the coming of the Holy Spirit did a whole bunch of things. The one we're going to concentrate on now is this. There's no longer any type of, of language barrier. People can be communicated with. There, there, there are people that I studied that went to oh, India and Burma and, and all these places. And, and they, it, was, it was a lifelong passion of them to be a missionary in this place. But here's the, you know what the biggest problem was? Communication. Do you know how hard it would be to tell somebody about Jesus and you can't understand a word that's coming out of her mouth? Think about this. So they, they would take the English language and they would convert it to Burmese. I've read a portion. I can't read it. I just kind of saw it. <laughs> but but they, they, did, they did this so they could witness the people so they could show what God has done. When they say, what can this mean? Literally... God was saying through the Holy Spirit coming, there should, there's, no, there's no barriers that I haven't taken care of now. It's an opportunity for everybody. Every race in the free gifts of salvation is available for every person. Man. In verse 11 we read that, that when they said, uh, in, their, in our own language, there's people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. Where in that scripture do you say, look at me and what I can do? See, when we're able to communicate, some people take this in the, in the form of speaking in tongues, when we're able to communicate like this, it's, it, mean, it means this. It is to edify God and, and realize that God is not confusing. Okay? So it's to edify God. Not one time does it say, look at me. Look at, look at the amazing thing that God has done. Look at what He's going to do with us. If you have your worship hand out. Oh, I'm sorry, no. We're going to go, we have, one more, we have one more scripture first. Now this, I will just go to it. Look at 13, look at the next screen. But others in the crowd really ridiculed them saying they're just drunk, that's all. Now okay, okay. If you came over to my house and I suddenly was not speaking English, and I was, let's say I was speaking completely fluent Afrikaans. With the pops and the snaps and the Aboriginal people of South Africa, I would love to speak Africa. It'd be so cool. You wouldn't understand anything I'm saying. But they look. They use. They use clicks and pops with partial words to put it into to put it into a context. Now think about this. If you came over to my house, or next Sunday I got up here, and the only thing, and I started talking like this. Look at what these people said. Others in the crowd came to this house and they saw what was going on and said. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all. Now, it, they're, they're crazy. Okay, in every, in every crowd, in your life, you have people just like this. 
You have people just like this because you're wanting to do what God wants you to do. You think He's equipped you to do this and you're trying to do it. And then you have those people, don't you? I call them pickers. They can pick out anything negative that they want to see, can't they? Remember what Jesus told His disciples? He told His disciples, He says, there's going to be people in this life that do not like you. Is it because the world didn't like them? Nope. He said, they're not going to like you because of, you, of me that's going to be living in you. This is huge here. Okay? Because they see these wonderful things that God's doing and they're saying, you're just crazy. You're just drunk. You're inebriated. You, you have something wrong with your mind or you've done something to inha- inhabit your mind that you can't think straight. You can't do this right. You're hallucinating. You're on drugs. You're, you're doing things. There's no way that this can be real. But, we're going to get into verse 14 real quick. Look at your worship handout with me. It says, we must understand, this is a preface to what we're getting ready to talk about. We must understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And look at the confidence that Peter has. Now some of us would do this. Those pickers would keep picking, 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 and picking, 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 picking. You ever had them picking? You ever ever just pick? Paul Paul three times asked God to to release the thorn in his flesh. And we're not completely certain. We think it was poor eyesight. But there, there are some th- certain things that Paul says, this thing just keeps pecking at me. Will you make it stop? Have you ever asked your kids to do something enough times? And then there had to be that next time. Have <laughs> The proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back? You ever been pushed a little bit too far and then you retaliate? You know what? You can take, you can take the most mild-mannered person and it, it, eventually, they, everybody has a number. Okay? You can just pick. And somebody's number might be three. Somebody's number might be 30,000. But everybody probably has a number. They can, get, they can get upset. Okay, now watch this. There's a difference between getting upset and passionate. Look at verse 14. Then Peter, remember, please, over the last three weeks, this is the same Peter that on the night of the crucifixion denied that he even knew Jesus Christ three times. He's the same loudmouth Peter that was the first to speak and was often wrong. He was also the sword-dealing dude that pulled his sword out in the Garden of Gethsemane and cut off the Roman guard's ear that Jesus healed. Very quick to act. Very outspoken. Very loud, probably. Jesus has already come to Peter and he has reconciled and forgiven him for the three times that he denied him. Over the next 40 days, catch us up to here, 50 days, Peter and the other disciples have probably sought to be with Jesus quite a bit. And, th- and guess what? They're, keep, they're, they're still learning. They're, he's still pouring into them and they, they're, they're learning. And Peter comes to the point where enough is enough, and one of, those, one of those little pickers picked enough. And he says this, he, said, he says, this can't be of God, you guys are just drunk. Watch Peter's retaliation, verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward. Can you imagine if you're the other 11? They've already replaced the disciples, so they have, they have 12 now again. Matthias replaced Judas, that hung himself. So, 
Can you... Can you imagine being like John going, Oh, man. Peter's stepping forward. Peter's had enough. You know, you know when people get set off, don't you? And Peter starts stepping forward and go, great, does he have any weapons? No? Okay. You, talk to, you run over here to talk to another disciple and go, hey, Matthias, has he taken his medication today? And he's like, I don't know. This guy, this could go many ways right here, couldn't it? But watch this. Then Peter stepped forward with, if you circle words in your Bible, do this, circle with. If you look at Peter's encounters with other people, it's often individualized by himself pre Resurrection, crucifixion. Now he says, with. Why did they need the other disciples? Because <laughs> they needed each other. Okay? They desperately needed. So Peter stepped forward in verse 14 with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully. I don't think that he whispered this, okay? Peter was the loud one. He would have been the one put in charge of this. Okay? You're the loud one. Go ahead. Do you have that person in your family? Do not nudge your mate. Okay, do you have that loud person? Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Look at verse 15. This is highly important. Look at this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. 9 o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Evidently, Jimmy Buffett's song, 5 o'clock somewhere, was in the Bible. Okay, it's way too early. You can't start drinking at 9. He had a huge point here. He Because... Now, some people say, well, I can't believe you're talking about getting, getting drunk, okay? It's wrong to get drunk. Now, watch this. These people are not drunk. Peter's saying this because, watch, they're probably having church. There's over a hundred of them, and it's not of the custom. Did they have alcoholics in the Bible? Yes. Do we have alcoholics today? Yes. Do people get drunk at 9 o'clock? Yes. Then and now? Yes. Okay. But this many people would not have been drinking at this. It was not customary to be drinking at this time. And that's why he says it. He says, listen, these, no way. He said they can't be because it's too early. It's much too early. Now this is, this is a confident Peter, but it is not a boastful, arrogant Peter. Now he's informing them. This is a, this is a solid fact. Hey, look, you think 120 people have been drinking and we're all drunk at 9? No. Look at what God has done. It's not alcohol-induced. It's God-induced. His, his, his sermon had, it was completely one-sided. He literally, in this sermon as we, as we look at it, he literally says, Jesus was God's Son, you killed Him, you repent or you pay the price. Literally. So, sums up the whole sermon. And we, we want to be eloquent in our words and say all these cool things. Look at verse 16. We're going we're gonna to buzz through some of this. No! What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. This is awesome. Look at 17. In the last days... Listen, remember they thought God was, Jesus was coming back in like two weeks? It's been, it's been a couple weeks okay, since then. It says, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, the young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. We think, oh wow, I had a dream last night, so that means Jesus is coming. There's Old, there's old Testament people that had visions and dreams that prophesied about coming people like the Messiah. And they could tell people what their dreams meant. Okay? He's referring to this, okay, out, out of Joel. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on the people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Look at 18. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Why does Joel reference, Joel's a minor prophet at the end of the Old Testament. Why does Joel reference men and women alike? 
this is being said by Peter in a sermon. Why did he say this? Because he was reiterating something that was gigantic in Jesus' ministry, that he made men and women completely equal. Look at that. That's coming from an Old Testament person. He said, there's going to come a time when, even on my sermons, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Both. And this is highly important. Because there's no separation anymore. It's all, it's, God is going to minister to everyone. It's going to be open. Oh my goodness, the communication lines are completely open in what we just read. We see where this is going. That's why, that's why I think people take it so much out of context sometimes. And I think it has to be about just speaking in tongues. When actually, if you take the Bible very literal, there's a really good explanation of why he did this. Very, very good. Look at verse 19. And I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What does, Paul, what does Peter say here? He's saying, here's the deal. You know how he didn't know when he was going to send the Holy Spirit? Later on, He's gonna, Jesus is going to come back for us, the followers of Christ? Bet on it. We're not going to know. Jesus doesn't even know. It says in Scripture that the Son doesn't even know the Father. The Father is the only one that knows the time. Peter's saying this. Listen, this stuff was prophesied in the Old Testament. When are you going to listen? When are you going to wake up? He's speaking to the Jews very, very loudly. Listen, we still have a wailing wall in the Middle East and there's still traditional Jewish people that are going to that wailing wall, sliding their prayers in and praying to God to bring the Messiah and they have no hope because Jesus has already been here. You need to pray for them. They are living without hope. Bring the Messiah. The next time the Messiah comes, He's going to take His children home. They live without hope. Now, do you understand why Peter may have talked a little bit louder to the Jews? You've got to get this. He's only coming once. Look at verse 22. People of Israel, listen again with that attention grabber. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus in Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through Him. As you well know, some of these people that were at the Palm Sunday, waving the palms... Why were they there? Because they had witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. They knew. Some of them may have been at the wedding at Cana where Jesus took 180 gallons of water and made it into wine. 180 gallons. 180 gallons. Hey, make it into 180 gallons of pickle juice. Man, I would rock. I love pickles. Listen, he did all these miracles, all these wonders, all these signs. He's saying, listen, who can do this? Who could raise Lazarus from the dead? The Messiah. The Messiah. Look at verse 23. But God knew what would happen in His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. God knew what was going to happen. He put everybody in place. Now watch this. And with the help of lawless Gentiles... If you think I step on your toes or the Holy Spirit steps on your toes, look at this. And with the help, what if they were, what if they were like in Gentiles and Jewish people and, and, and you know, the Jewish people right here, the place of awesome honor 
Okay? Gentiles would have been out. What, what if you would have been a Gentile at this message in here, and then with the help of you lawless Gentiles, you nail them to a cross and you kill them? <laughs> Maybe it was the original version of my sermon about a month ago when I said, you're not a good person. My sin held them there. Your sin held them on the cross. Look at 24. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back, from the, uh, back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. Why reiterate this? The crucifixion and the resurrection is less than two months old. They wouldn't have remembered something two months old. What did you have for breakfast tomorrow or yesterday? I have no idea. Some of you would say, I have no idea. Where were you September 11th, 2001? I guarantee you, a majority of us could answer that question. I was in Howard Payne. I was in a suite on the south edge of campus. We were getting ready to have baseball practice. The students canceled class that day. The teachers didn't. We just didn't go. We were scared to death, to be perfectly honest. I found myself being a 21-year-old, non-married, athletic, college athlete that can shoot a gun. You know what I thought? I'm going to war. I knew exactly, we, we see these times and these dates, and they, listen, he would have talked about the resurrection and the crucifixion because it's two months old. They would have remembered this really, really, really good. And number 25, you can do this. Some of you do this when you get pulled over. Number one, don't get pulled over. Stop breaking the law. You know they tend not to pull you over when you don't break the law? It's a, it's a crazy concept. Peter starts name dropping. I have heard, by the way, from people that I am related to that are officers of the law that said one of the things that they do not like is when people name drop when they get pulled over. Peter does it! Look at this. He says, fine, you don't want to listen to me? Look at 25. King David. Boom. He's not going to talk about any superhero of the Bible in front of these people that has more effect than that man right there. When I get pulled over, if I get pulled over, I try not to. I don't want to break the law. You know why? Because I'd like to keep my money and not pay fines. But I'm not going to get pulled over and go, Adam Barbian. You know, Adam Barbian's my brother-in-law. I actually was in their wedding. I actually did their wedding. We're really, we're, really, we're really close. I got two of my buddies I went to school with. State cops. I got to know some town cops. I'm just a good person who knows a lot of important people. Can I not get a ticket, please? He says this on complete purpose. Watch this. King David said this about him. He said, fine, if you don't want to listen to what I have to say, listen to what King David said. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts His praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One, that's Jesus, to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Huh, David was a worshiper, man. David knew how to jam for Jesus. In front of sheep, most of the time, as a shepherd boy. He knew how to honor God. He knew how to worship. Look at verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried. Now, watch this. He goes on, and his tomb is still here among us. Oh, wow. It was like a picnic spot. 
We're taking the kids to go to King David's grave. And you think, oh, that's crazy. You and I have probably shared some of the same dreams. How many of you have been to Springfield to Lincoln's grave? How many of you have rubbed his nose? Oh, boy. Don't, do you know where he's buried? If you don't, you can Google it. They didn't have Google because they knew where he was buried. And he's still in there. And he, he says this. He says, listen, you can go to the Messiah's tomb, Jesus' tomb. Joseph of Arimathea's house. You remember that? He had the stone grave. You can go there, but he's not there. We go to David's. Still there. You go to Jesus's. Not so much. Somebody gets on Facebook and said they think they found the bones of Jesus. I say, no, you know what? <laughs> no, you didn't. Mm-mm. Because in Acts chapter 1, the Bible is true and he's gone. You can't find the bones of something that's not there. Look at verse 30. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on the throne. He called it again. Look at the, look at the worship handout. Look at this. Guess where Jesus comes from? The line of who? David. Why did he name drop David? Because he's important. This prophecy was fulfilled. Old Testament. Jesus was born into the line of David. Everything about the Messiah had come true to that date. There's still some other things. Look at verse 31. We'll get through this really quick. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. In verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all a witness to this. He's bringing up a hot topic. This is 50 days old. It is. Anybody remember the oil spill in the Gulf? Not too, oh, you do. That's way more than 50 days old. Anybody remember Easter service last week? You remember, you remember the Palm Sunday service that I preached that wasn't Palm Sunday? And you're like, oh, can he do that? You remember that? <laughs> it's like 50 days old. It's important. It's relevant. It's a hot topic. Look at 33. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit was given to this earth, conquering all communication barriers, that Jesus did die for everyone. And Jesus then again, and if you go in reverse, in John 14, 6, He says, Yes, but... I am the only way. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Period. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, I'm it. That's all. Enough. Look at verse 34. For David himself was never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Remember what I said. Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last time on a donkey. The next time He comes riding on something, it's not going to be a donkey. And He's going to come not with humility, but with pure, absolute, complete power. Everybody already is footstool under His feet. Look at 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Again, appealing to these Jewish people to understand. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what must we do? I love this question when somebody asks me this. I love this question. Now, here, look at your worship handout. Look at the next blank. It says this. When God's Word pierces your heart, what do you do? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to tell you something. I'm only going to say it once. I don't want to... There's nothing personal. But God's Word tends to not pierce your heart unless you read it. 
Our Bibles are not coasters, they're not dust collectors. They're living, breathing, inerrant, perfect words of God. They're life-changing. We have to read it. This is what he's saying. He says, listen, he said, he said what, what you said pierced my heart. 38. And Peter replied, each one of you, this is what he tells him, he says, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise to you, to your children and those far away, all who have called upon the name of our Lord. You're not going to ever be good enough. You can't put the pieces in the right order good enough to get into heaven without Christ. You can't do it. Look at, look at verse 40. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I'm almost done. That's a joke. Okay. Not a joke that I'm almost done. Okay, It's not April Fool's. I'm almost done, really. But look at this. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from the crooked generation. I used to ask my grandfather who was raised in the Great Depression, I said, Grandpa, how did all these people go to church? He said, church was all we had. God was the only thing that we had. And he said, I really pity your generation. He said this before he died. He said, I pity your generation because you have too much stuff and you have too much comfort to ever experience what I experienced in the Great Depression to see God move the way he did. I'm afraid that my grandpa called it too. Because yesterday, God spoke to me. I'm, 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 I'm almost trying to memorize this sermon all week. And I get to yesterday, and I'm sitting in my house, and I'm going, man, I, I want to see. I want to see God move like my grandfather's generation saw God move in that time. You know what God says? He goes, you don't want to be that uncomfortable. Huh. And I said... If you would move like that, I would do anything in this world. And he said, no, you're already too uncomfortable. As I looked at a TV that I could not get the volume to work on my sound bar and my TV, he goes, look, you're, you're, you're trying to fold worship handouts and you're looking and you're upset because you don't even have sound on your TV. How first world are you? Now think about this. He said to me, he said this, he said, I don't know if you're okay with getting that uncomfortable to see me move like I can move. <laughs> That's tough. You think, man, Matt, your sermon really, really hit home with me. Try having the conversation that I had with God at my house yesterday. It was not fun. Look at verse 41. Those who believe what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. Think about this. There were 3,000 people, probably just men. More than that. Because there were women and children, I would imagine. Okay? Peter goes from an arrogant, sword-pulling, ear-cutting, blasphemer, Jesus even calls him Satan, to this guy, who was completely unafraid to say anything about his Jesus. He said everything. Everything he said came directly from Old Testament prophecy and Scripture. He did not have a huge theological explanation. He says, all you people who probably saw Him deny Christ at the, at the crucifixion, they probably saw Him or heard about Him probably in the local newspaper. Jesus' disciple cuts off Roman soldier's ear. Jesus heals him. 
They knew this guy, but he had been changed. Now he wanted to tell every single person that he came in contact with who this Jesus was to him. Look at your last blank on the worship handout and we'll be done. Look at this. Peter experienced the boldness from the Holy Spirit to speak boldly about his faith in Jesus. Do you? Now I ask this. It seems like such an elementary kindergarten question. I talked with some buddies of mine yesterday. We were coming home from a softball tournament. That's what, retire, that's what, that's what old retired baseball players do. They play slow pitch. And we were playing slow pitch. And I, and I was coming back from a tournament yesterday and we were talking about this guy that we used to play softball with. Phenomenal guy. If I said his name, everybody in here would probably know him. He was a great dude. Still is a great guy. I talk to him all the time. I talked to him at Kroger the other day. Ask if he's going to go play. He says, I'll retire. Now, when you say you retire from slow pitch, you don't really mean it. Sometimes you come back. So, so I'm hoping that this guy will come back. But we were talking about not his softball playing. My buddy, and I know that I have this last slide in my sermon. My buddy just hits a home run with this. He goes, you know, you don't have to be around so-and-so very long that you just understand that he loves Jesus with everything that he has. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, he does. And we start talking about some of the things, that, the conversations that he, would, that he would have, and they would immediately bring up Jesus, what Jesus had done in his life, where it had brought him. See, Peter experienced the boldness from the Holy Spirit to speak boldly about his faith in Jesus. I wonder, do you? You have a platform. You have, you have a church. Is it baseball? Probably not. Is it the NBA? Probably not. But wherever you work, whoever you come in contact with, I challenge you this week. Let them... Man, it is, it is one of my goals in life that when people would remember me, they say, hey, you remember playing softball against Matt? Yeah. I don't care what happens on the field. I'm much more interested in what happens off. But to be, to be able to be remembered as someone who was completely, entirely in love with Jesus, and that's the only thing that I could talk about, would be one of the greatest compliments you could ever receive, other than well done, good and faithful servant. I challenge you this week, share your story, share where you've come from with someone that maybe doesn't know Him. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for this time. Thank You for the opportunity to study Your Word in this, this Scripture. God, we thank You for people like Peter that show us that even... If we do mess up, God, your grace covers us. You have a purpose and a plan for us, God. And we ask this week, God, that you just give us the strength to get us out of our comfort zone, to tell others what you've done in our life. God, we love you. Thank you so much for everything you've done. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, God, that we have today. In your name we pray. Amen.